Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning, and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, the guest host sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's traveling. Today, I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity, the bringing together of our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. Many people associate the term yoga with exercise. Kriya Yoga is a wider system including philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. As a medical doctor and longtime practitioner of Kriya Yoga, I have found it to be a comprehensive system for enhanced well-being on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. Today, we're going to explore practicing yoga at home for total well-being. We are joined by Tara Fraser, uh, the author of five best-selling yoga books, including The Easy Yoga Workbook, Live Better Yoga, and Total Yoga, a step-by-step guide to yoga at home for everybody. Tara has had a lifelong interest in yoga and has been teaching since 1993. She believes yoga can help everyone to live well, feel good, and age gracefully. Tara is the founder and co-director of Yoga Junction in London, where she teaches regular classes and teacher training programs. Her website is yogajunction.co.uk. Welcome, Tara. I'm delighted that you could join us today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you for having me. Great. Before we begin our conversation about yoga for total well-being, let's start with a moment of meditation. Om. Let's open our hearts and minds to divine omnipresence. One reality, called by many names, is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right now, this divine essence is present as you, as me, as everyone. Within us, around us, and between us. In this moment, we simply let our attention move from the periphery of our awareness to the depths. We become aware of our breath, noticing its natural flow. Not trying to change it, just noticing. Inhalation and exhalation. 
cool air entering the nostrils and warm air flowing out. We notice thoughts and feelings as they arise and then as they pass away. We become aware of our essential nature beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change and phenomena, pure existence being, unmoving, unchanging, birthless, deathless being. Peace, emanating from the essence of our being. Peace, pervading the mental field. Peace, pervading the emotional nature. And peace, pervading the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. Om. <clears throat> this Yoga Hour episode <clears throat> marks the start of our summer series on complete well-being. What better way to begin than with a conversation about a balanced yoga practice that is accessible for everyone? Tara, thanks again for joining me today. You're welcome. It's really a pleasure to speak to you. As you know, there are many different definitions of yoga and many different kinds of yoga. Kriya yoga is the yoga that is taught and practiced at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, with Kriya meaning action in Sanskrit. Kriya yoga's focus is on the actions one can take to achieve self and God realization. It comes from the Yoga Sutras, which is one of the key yoga texts that you mention in your book, Total Yoga. One of the things that I really enjoyed about your book is that it places yoga in a larger spiritual context. How do you incorporate this larger spiritual context into your yoga classes? Well, for me, um, I do it rather lightly, to be honest. So uh, I'm living and working in London, and London is a very, very diverse community. And a lot of people who are coming to yoga classes are um, coming from very, very different kind of angles and for very different reasons. And I found really that in a way, uh, rather than um, giving very direct teaching on those sorts of things, it seems to work nicely just to allow people time for reflection. Mm -hmm. And then the questions will arise in them and come from them, and then they come to you as a teacher and ask the questions. And for me, that felt a more comfortable and appropriate uh, way to sort of navigate, um, given the, the setting that I'm in. Uh, if I was in a um, in a more kind of confined setting, a more uh, sort of already spiritual community, um, I think my approach would be very different. Right. Um, in the U.S., yoga classes, uh, which are primarily uh, asana-based or the physical posture-based, they're really uh, increasingly popular. They're offered not only in yoga studios and fitness centers, but they're also making mm -hmm. inroads into alternative settings, including schools and senior centers, as well as in the workplace, in prisons, and even clinical settings. Also, meditation, whether it's used as a yoga approach or is inspired by some other tradition, is also becoming more popular in a wide variety of settings. What are you seeing in the in the UK? Is it a similar type of uh, process? Definitely, yeah. And and the sort of general um, normaling, normalizing of yoga. You know, yoga now um, isn't a kind of freaky, weird thing to do. Uh, everybody does it. And uh, right. my kids do yoga at school. And my GP suggests that people should do yoga. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really become um, something which everybody's heard of a little bit. But of course, there are many yogas, there are many approaches. And uh, yes, people can um, assume that it involves leotards and <laughs> and a lot of bending and stretching um, right. and that may not necessarily be the truth uh, uh, but um, that's that's a yoga and um, I think yes we're seeing more people um, coming to yoga with at least some knowledge of what it might entail and what it, it might give them um, and the same thing with the meditation 
uh, whether it's coming from a kind of mindfulness point of view or uh, a more kind of specifically yoga tradition, uh, it's, it's definitely very popular and there's lots of it about. Yeah, the uh, one of the things I really enjoyed about the, the Total Yoga book is that you view the physical practice of yoga as a starting point, which can then unfold, you know, into a deeper spiritual practice, kind of as what you were what you were just indicating. Mm, I think that's really important because I think for many people, the physical practice is the first way into their kind of in towards pratyahara, towards the turning of the senses inwards. So first, you must start with this kind of physical reality of yourself and just in, <laughs> turn the TV off, turn the computer off, turn the mobile phone off and uh, sit with yourself for a bit in your own body and be in that uh, physical space. And from that place to turn inward towards a meditation practice becomes increasingly easy. I think it's quite difficult for modern people to um, have space and time to do that. So a lot of what you're doing is just facilitating that clear space. You know, in this studio, no phones are allowed. You cannot bring your laptop in and you can't listen to your radio at the same time. So uh, we have a kind of quietening and gradual turning inward. So I think that physical um, context is really an important basic starting point. And if you look at the eight limbs of yoga, you really have that uh, kind of progression described in the Yoga Sutras of turning the senses inwards is a kind of critical um, turning point between the kind of external asana-based things and the, the meditation. Indeed, and, and it's that inward turning that I think people really gravitate, you know, toward. I think that that's yeah. one of the appeals, as you're saying, our lives are so outward, you know, in the modern world with all of these ways that we are plugged in and really <clears throat> having an opportunity to experience, you know, the the uh, inner peace that you can access through things, you know, like um, meditation and asana, you know, practice is a way that can then build on itself. Yes, indeed. Yes, definitely. In the Kriya Yoga tradition, there's a, a strong emphasis on balance. Paramahansa Yogananda wrote that millions of people live a one-sided life and pass on in incompleteness. God has given each of us a soul, a mind, and a body, which we should try to develop uniformly. For those who come onto the yoga path seeking healthier bodies through asana practice— Many are led to study yoga philosophy and to take up these additional practices that we've been discussing. At the same time, many people who enter into yoga practice through philosophy and meditation come to understand that part of a balanced approach to yoga must include also caring for the body. And I, and I appreciate that you also include not only the asanas in your book, but also uh, instructions about diet. Yes, I think that's another interesting route, isn't it? So these things can all kind of come together um, if you very often this is a thing people say very often they come to a class for a, a year or two and then they say do you know I just I used to drink three cups of coffee in the morning before I came to my class and now I just it doesn't taste the same I don't like it so much I so you can see they change kind of not through a, um, a mental decision to make a change but through right beginning to be more sensitive to their own bodies and this right. is a very common um, comment from students and something that I've always found really interesting so you don't have to say really you should give up smoking and coffee you, you can right. just say yeah just do these exercises how do you feel and mm -hmm. they intuit for themselves very quickly well, you know well, maybe I will eat something different or uh, change a little my lifestyle. So yes, I, I think that's an important, um, a very important strand, and it kind of underpins the Ayurvedic approach as well. And so there are these many different things feeding into um, a way a person can start to evolve on those levels that you spoke about. You know, so it's mm -hmm. not just a, a a kind of single pathway. It's a it's a multidisciplinary uh, approach to yourself. Mm. Yeah, that's a great description. So the subtitle of the book, Total Yoga, is a step-by-step -step guide to yoga at home for everybody. What was your motivation for writing a step-by-step -step guide 
two yoga at home for everybody. Well, it was just that people kept saying, I want to do yoga at home, but I'm worried I'll do it wrong. Um, I don't know what to do. I can never remember anything when I get home. All of these sorts of comments. And um, just very simply, I thought, how can I put across partly the confidence in your own awareness of yourself? So it's not so much that I'm going to teach you some magic formula and this is the correct thing to do, but much more can I encourage you to uh, have that kind of witnessing approach to what you do, to feel yourself in your own body, and to slowly and gently kind of experiment. And I have used a very sort of classical Hatha Yoga uh, model in that book. But in a sense, it's not that important what you do. Um, it's probably more important that you do something. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the intention, really, I think, more than the um, formula all the specific uh, postures. And it was very, that was very much led by, by the students, you know, people just asking, what shall I do now? <laughs> yeah, it's clear from your comments in the book that you really feel that a home uh, practice is a really important um, sort of a, a um, adjunct, I guess, or for some people, I guess, even the primary, you know, way of uh, practicing yoga. Yes. <clears throat> yes, I do. I think it's a little bit like not getting, um, you know, too carried away with uh, instruction. So, you know, a lot of yoga classes are very instructional. You have to have your attention really out uh, on the teacher and, you know, mindful of your fellow students and uh, the environment that you're in. And so you cannot really turn inwards in a classroom setting when you're being taught in the same way that you can on your own. It, it, mm -hmm. It's just a sort of impossibility, really. And that's not that we shouldn't go to classes, because, of course, at a class you will pick up very valuable information and tips and skills and teaching, you know, so there will be kind of yoga teaching that will come. Um, so all of these things are valuable and important, but they are not actually yoga. <laughs> I mean, in the sense that you're not really doing the yoga there. You're sort of you're doing what dancers call marking it, you know. So with a dancer, instead of doing the whole thing flat out, they just do with their hands. They imagine, oh, I'm going to jump here and spin here. And, and in a similar way, you kind of, you go through a motion of doing it in a classroom setting. If you then went home and took even one little bit of that and did it completely on your own, self-motivated and concentrated on yourself as you did it, you will have a completely different experience. And the two things are not mutually exclusive at all, but they support one another beautifully. And I would really say a personal practice is a, um, a terribly important thing if you want to progress uh, your, your kind of development, particularly towards a meditation-type practice, um, which, all of which are lovely to do also in a group. You know, it's not that you can't do those things in a group. That's very nice. Um, but it's different. It's a def definitely a different feeling. Well, that's great. Um, we're coming up on our first break. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with guest Tara Fraser, whose website is yogajunction.co.uk. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien and discussing yoga for total well-being. After the break, we'll be talking more about establishing a home practice of yoga. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listener support to broadcast the messages of unity to an awakening world. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Ever notice that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring 
a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm joined today by Tara Fraser, founder and co director of Yoga Junction in London and author of Total Yoga, a step-by-step guide to yoga at home for everybody. In this segment, we'll take a look at how we can begin a yoga practice at, at home. The path of yoga directs us to take responsibility for our complete well-being. This requires self-discipline and patience. Paramahansa Yogananda wrote that good and bad habits both take time to acquire force. Powerful bad habits can be displaced by opposite good habits, if the latter are patiently cultivated. Let's explore how we might begin to patiently cultivate good yoga habits at home for our complete well-being. Tara, what general advice would you give someone brand new to Hatha Yoga about how to begin? Well, I think one of the simplest things is to just say start where you are. So it's very, very important that it's, it's, uh, something that sparkles for you. It's something that feels uh, an interesting thing and something that you want to commit some time to. So there's no point going to a physical yoga class if really the thought of doing it is appalling to you. <laughs> you need to find your route in and you need to find your sort of comfortable way in. So for some people, it would involve um, maybe a more sedentary kind of start with maybe pranayama and meditation. But if you want to start a hatha yoga practice, a physical practice, a a class is a good, simple way. If you want to start without going to a class, then you need some kind of instruction to help you. And nowadays you can get stuff online and you can uh, buy DVDs and um, audio uh, material. And books, of course, still remain um, a very uh, useful tool. And I think books, in a way... um, maybe a less uh, there's less pace on that you know if you're making a dvd you want it to sort of look interesting and so they tend to speed them up really you know you don't have long periods of time where nothing's happening on the screen because that makes a boring thing to watch but uh, in fact in practice you may need long periods of time where nothing much happens and so <laughs> books are helpful in a way because they're not time sensitive like that and i think um, i still feel that a book is a a really good way to begin uh, to inform yourself a little bit about what the practices are. So, so you mentioned classes. 
There are lots of people who hesitate to attend yoga classes because so much of the marketing of yoga, including the you know the front uh, the, the covers of yoga magazines and all, use images of young, beautiful, thin, flexible women, and now young, toned men as well. So, how do men and women of all shapes and ages find the right classes for them, or overcome the barrier about body image to begin a home practice? such an important thing and uh, uh, and it is an issue and I think it does need careful thinking about certainly um, I think one thing that can be very very helpful is to um, get uh, the, the the kind of classic books the classic texts you know BKS Iyengar's Light on Yoga does not contain any <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> you know, 22-year-olds in leotards. It's just him doing the yoga. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, you know, there is access to, um, uh, although, you know, the postures he demonstrates are, are very, um, uh, some of them are very powerful and extreme, it gives you more of a, a sense that, yes, this could be approached by various different sorts of people. I think the whole thing about image and body image it comes from a almost like a, a massive, massive um, importance on the visual in our culture. So we're very, very visually literate as a culture. And that means that very often the visual kind of overrides all the other senses. And so I tell my own students, if they want to practice at home, one of the very best things they can do for themselves is do some practices that involve being on the floor so they don't fall over <laughs> and with their <laughs> eyes closed. So, you know, if you start on the floor with your eyes closed, first of all, you don't see the mess in your living room. You don't see the cream cracker under the settee and the, you know, toffee stuck to the bottom of the coffee table. <laughs> and also you don't have that kind of feeling like, oh, I'm in my home environment and I'm doing sort of unfamiliar, weird positions. So if you lie on your back on the floor and you close your eyes for a few moments and you put your hands on your belly and you feel yourself breathing, everyone has access to that. You know, everyone has breathing, everyone has a belly. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we can, we can kind of come right down to that basic level. And once you're there, then it becomes much more clear to you exactly what it is you need to do. It's not that you need to tie yourself in knots or do very elaborate gymnastics. It becomes clear once you're in that space of listening to your breath and being a little quiet and being with yourself. So it's actually sort of easy, kind of easier than you think. It's intellectualizing about it is just not very helpful. You just have to do it, you know. Um, and any kind of start, any start at all is good. So you're starting from where you're at. Yeah, I think that is uh, excellent advice. Uh, there, There's um, such a common tendency toward procrastination, and people yeah. may have been wanting to start a yoga practice for quite some time. But I love the advice of just starting out on the floor so you can't hurt yourself and starting out uh, with your eyes closed and focusing on the breath. That's really lovely. Yeah, and also, you know, I think that thing is that procrastination is a really interesting idea and there is some stuff in the yoga sutras about that and procrastination if you're noticing that you're procrastinating that in itself is a little progress so if you think oh you know three years ago I was going to sign up to do a yoga class and I never did it and uh, oh, I keep thinking I'm going to do it and I never do it and it's that as you as that thing filters through your mind over and over again eventually you will find yourself doing yoga somehow. You know, you will. It's just sort of witnessing your own procrastination. It's almost part of the process. You can count that as I am examining how I am being. I am turning my attention into myself. And I'm thinking, oh, I do procrastinate specifically about that. Hmm. And next time you catch yourself doing it, you say, I'll just put everything down and I'll do it now. Even if I don't know what to do, <laughs> just lie down, okay, and close right. my eyes, and and that's where you start. Yeah, yeah. So the total yoga book includes instruction in meditation methods as well as being a guide for home hatha yoga practice. How do you advise students to incorporate meditation into their home practices? Well, meditation is lovely because it's so flexible and really. Um, there are millions and millions of different ways of doing it. And 
all you need to find is the way that suits you. So, I mean, I can share with you that I, um, <laughs> for some years, I used to attend uh, meditation classes, which were, they were very based, again, on um, visualization. So that was a, a key method. And uh, I am really hopeless at visualizing things. So I found it really taxing, really quite difficult. And I have to say, I did get better as I went along. So I stuck with it and I improved a bit. But really and truly, meditating while trying to visualize things for me was hard. And then one day I went to a class where they chanted. And I thought, oh, I've come home. This is fantastic. This is easy to concentrate on. I'm not struggling. I'm not trying to imagine a visual image. I'm using my ears instead. And so I think this is something important to realize is that meditation is a state of being. It's not a methodology. Again, so it doesn't really matter how you got there, whether you visualized a golden egg or you... Uh, chanted a mantra or you um, did uh, some other kind of a, a practice like you know there are people who practice uh, um, counting beads there are people who practice by writing little uh, Sanskrit symbols there are people who do all kinds of things and each of these things produces this kind of gentle slowing of the mental world and a, a settling into self which is very very important so it I think it's the diversity of meditation practices that's so exciting. And mm. for somebody who's just beginning, if what you find is that, oh, that, I find that difficult to do, or that, that wasn't easy, that's okay. There'll always be another one. So you can kind of just try a few and see how you go, and you will, you will start to gravitate towards the things that work for you. And you really only need one technique that works, and then you're home and dry. So um, some people like to meditate on the breath, Mm -hmm. The little introduction you did before we started speaking, lovely, just to take your attention to the breath and just feel this breath coming in, breath coming out. So it's so simple. It right. is so simple. And it's like it can get overcomplicated somehow. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you do the basic thing, you know, just have a go. Mm. So I think one of the um, stumbling blocks about home practice of either meditation or of, uh, you know, hatha uh, yoga asanas is a lack of confidence in our ability to really practice on our own. Do you give students guidance at all about uh, any ways to overcome that? Um, I do try to. It is a, that is a, is a difficulty. Most of us are really trained to defer to experts. and. Um, we do it in all sorts of spheres of our lives. And uh, really, yoga is a, an individual path. So the role of a guru or a teacher is a very important one. And we have this very important tradition of passing um, uh, the understanding of yoga down through lineages. But at the same time, it's it's a personal journey. It really is a personal journey. And somebody else can't do it for you. And you can't fake it either. <laughs> so ultimately, um, a person who has enough um, kind of of the willpower to say, I'm interested in this and I want to try it, has probably got the skills that they need to start and to start safely. And I usually just say to people, look, don't put yourself in pain. So if something hurts, don't do it. Come back to me and show me what are you doing and I'll see if I can help you. But you're not going to deliberately put yourself in pain. So that's a good basic uh, rule as you begin. And then there are other things which I think help, which are more to do with um, sort of uh, consolidating how you feel. So if you try to do a gesture or a posture, you're thinking about how I go into that shape, how I maintain it how my breath works while I'm doing it, and then how I exit it, and how do I feel when I stop doing it. So you've got this kind of um, progress from I begin, I'm, I'm holding this shape, I stop holding the shape, and then I have the kind of after effect. And if you let people just have a method like that to concentrate on, they're often fantastic um, kind of, uh, teachers of themselves. They often come up mm -hmm. with very, very intuitive uh, observations, clever observations about their own 
bodies and their own way of, of working. So um, I think you just you just have to say, uh, you know, have confidence. You can do it. Um, mm. And give a little framework, some tiny, tiny amount of uh, um, clarity about structure is very helpful because it gives you something to start from. Mm. Um, yes, it's, it's really uh, lovely just breaking down um, the process into those steps of beginning the process, you know, and then the maintain, maintaining the process. Um, what is your breath doing in that? And then and then exiting. It's uh, it's a framework, as you said, that I imagine would be very helpful. Um, what what are some tips you have about developing the discipline uh, needed to practice? Um, as we've said. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, you know, habits always start uh, somewhere and it's that discipline of going back to it and, you know, the daily practice of meditation or the home practice of, of uh, uh, Hatha yoga asanas. Um, have you found any, any little gems that you would like to pass on? <laughs> it, well, the discipline is quite an important part in the yoga tradition. And, um, it's kind of, I think it's not very popular idea in sort of the modern world, but discipline is a major uh, idea. It's a kind of real cornerstone of the yoga tradition. And they talk about developing um, this tapas, this kind of capacity to um, self-regulate um, yes. as a very important aspect of yoga. And so um, I think it's good if we don't shy away from that as teachers. and um, you have to tread a fine line and you have to decide uh, what instructions are good for which people. But I think um, often people's expectations of themselves are set too high. Mm -hmm. So one of the methods that I frequently use is that I lower the expectations. So I would say to my students, how long a yoga practice do you think is acceptable? And they will usually say, oh, 90 minutes, because... When you go to a studio, a class is usually about 90 minutes long. And uh, then I get them to sort of unpack that a little bit. And I say, well, you know, <clears throat> do you have 90 minutes in your day where you can devote this to yoga? And they say, oh, no, you know, I'm very busy and I've got this and that. And I say, well, how many minutes can you devote to yoga? Let's do can you devote two minutes? And they say, yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course, two minutes. Yeah. Okay. What about five? Oh, okay. Five minutes. Yeah, I can do five minutes. Okay. Okay. So let's do five minutes of pranayama. Um, let's just do a very basic breathing pattern. So we're lying on the floor with our eyes closed and we're breathing and noticing the belly rising and falling. And then we're going to try and lengthen the breath a little bit. And we're going to do this little exercise for five minutes. I actually suggest that my students buy themselves an old-fashioned egg timer, you know, like an hourglass with a sand that goes mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. And uh, because that's great, it's less scary than a clock ticking. It's, uh, and it feels a little bit kind of old-fashioned and antiquated. So you put your egg time and you go, I am going to do five minutes of breathing. And when you've done your five minutes of breathing, it's amazing. You then discover, oh, I could go on with this. The thing that was so important that I felt I must rush off and do, I've forgotten what it was anyway. And now I'm in this space. Wow, I feel I could really sort of continue. So often it is that initial stumbling block of just starting that's mm. difficult and um you know people are very busy they've got a lot to cram in and if you're thinking of yoga as just another thing that you have to kind of squeeze into your day it's sort of uh you know that it's not how you want it to be so i i think these little things may help possibly i often um i teach yoga in to uh, Indeed. Women. And I, I do have to just uh, break in right there. It's time for us to uh, go to a break. You're listening to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Today's guest is Tara Fraser, whose website is yogajunction.co.uk. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. Please stay with us. We'll be right back to explore how we can overcome obstacles to our yoga practice. Are you in a 
state of change, a period of transition? Perhaps you simply don't know which way to turn, or you want guidance on taking that next step in your personal or professional life. You can activate the power of yes with Reverend Beverly Melander. As a new thought minister and next step counselor, she knows how to listen to where you are and help you get to where you want to be. With 20 plus years of experience, she offers spiritual counseling and affirmative prayer next step counseling for your personal or professional life, as well as resume writing and editing. To learn more about Beverly's counseling services, visit beverlymelander.net. That's Beverly, M O L A N D E R.net. Just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Rev. Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'll light a candle in your name. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. My guest today is Tara Fraser, yoga teacher and author of Total Yoga, a step-by-step guide to yoga at home for everybody. In this segment, we'll explore how we can overcome obstacles to our yoga practice. But before we go there, uh, Tara, right at the end of the last session, I um, I believe you were about to talk about uh, something about women with, uh, with uh, babies, with young children. Do you want to pick yeah. up there? Yeah, I just um, I teach quite a lot of uh, women uh, through pregnancy and then in their postnatal phase, and that that's a really tough time, you know. So the whole idea of maintaining an at-home yoga practice with a small baby is kind of ridiculous on one level, and then what you realize is that it's not. It's absolutely kind of part and parcel of that kind, that lovely um, relationship with a very small baby, they are absolutely living in the moment and they can teach you masses of stuff. Um, And I tend to use as a way of helping people to uh, feel that they have the space to do their yoga is to say, when you change your baby, change it on the floor, put your changing mat on the floor, change them on the floor, and then you have this kind of, you're on the floor anyway. The baby's on the floor, you're on your hands and knees. Okay, so from here, can you do a little micro yoga practice? It might only be two or three minutes, but you'll be changing that baby several times a day. So mm-hmm. every time you, uh, you, you find yourself here again, oh, you do a little bit more. And that way it becomes a kind of an integrated part of what you're doing rather than a, a thing that you have to wait till the baby's asleep or not there or, you know, um, so for myself, I have four children. You know, I went through a long period of time where my home was complete chaos. <laughs> it was very difficult to find time. And I discovered that actually the children were doing the yoga anyway. The children were lying on their floor in the sunshine, staring at the clouds, um, fiddling around with things, playing with objects, feeling the way that the floor was beneath them, feeling their bodies moving. And all of this stuff started to make me think, yes, yes, this is, this is the essence of yoga practices. This is where we need to be back in ourselves in that way. And so that's a great thing to do with, um, with new mums is just share that. It's not about um, kind of uh, learning some clever technique. Uh, it's really just 
letting yourself be with your baby in that very intense spiritual way, really. Mm, that's really lovely. Um, and I, uh, totally could relate to, uh, to the, um, multiple, multiple times a day that you're going to be changing that baby. If you could take just a few minutes each time, uh, to, uh, to do just what you suggested, that that's really a really lovely way to bring your yoga practice home. So as we begin self practice, uh, it's, it's, obviously quite uh, common to encounter obstacles. And then overcoming those obstacles requires a certain amount of effort. Uh, According to Paramahansa Yogananda, often we continue to suffer without making an effort to change. That is why we don't find lasting peace and contentment. If we would persevere, we would certainly be able to conquer all difficulties. We must make the effort that we may go from misery to happiness, from despondency to courage. So let's look at some of the uh, common obstacles that people do encounter and then how we might overcome them as we um, commit ourselves to our uh, home uh, uh, or self-practice. Um, again, touching back on the body uh, images and this feeling, it occurs, I think, both in class as you watch other people be able to twist themselves into all these shapes. And um, then even when you're at home, when you have a mental image of the ideal of a certain, you know, posture, um, inevitably, I think self-criticism arises. So how might we respond to that uh, self-criticism and keep it from uh, blocking our, our uh, practice? This is, a, I think, a fairly universal experience. Um, and it's it's an interesting one. One thing that sometimes helps, um, and in a classroom setting, I quite often tell students that really the understanding in yoga is that human beings are intrinsically perfect. There's you know kind of godlike in 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 reality. So you know we have within us this this um this essence of perfection, and um. So all the other stuff is kind of just stuff and it can be shared and gained and moved around and shifted. And so you don't really want to worry too much about it. So, for example, if you feel uh, that you are, you know, not as strong as you should be or as flexible as you should be or as beautiful as you should be or whatever, these are kind of quite peripheral um, concerns. And actually, as you go into the sense of feeling rather than looking at the body, you may experience that you feel wonderful. And that, um, you only need that experience once or twice and you're hooked, really. You, you think, I'm, and then I need to go back to that. I need to reconnect to that kind of Ananda Maya Kosha, to this, to this aspect of ourselves that's, that's blissful. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that is also a common experience. So although feeling very self-critical is you know, a very widespread, um, and certainly, you know, I felt like that myself. Um, so is this this sudden realization that it all doesn't matter. <laughs> and I think that's what brings people back to classes, it's what takes people into these kinds of um, practices in the first place. And that's a beautiful thing to share with people. And really, you can uh, experience that quite quickly and quite easily by just doing this kind of uh, sensory turning in that we've been talking about. Which is really almost touching on the next question, which is about the the role of contentment um, in asana practice and contentment, you know, being one of the uh, niyamas that um, is a uh, something that we are um, supposed to be practicing in our life. Um, how do you see that in uh, uh, as regards to the asana practice? I actually think that's quite a challenge for most of us, contentment. <laughs> and it, it, it's a challenge partly because it's, um, it's the, the Sanskrit term is santosha, which is sort of untranslatable into English. It doesn't mean, I think we associate contentment with smugness and sort of ah. being self-satisfied a little bit. Um, and that's not obviously what's intended at all. But the kind of the deep contentment is a very wonderful um, experience, and it's it will often be disrupted. And if you look at the Yoga Sutras, he 
Patanjali talks quite extensively about the the way that we um, our contentment is disrupted. It, we feel discontented about various things, and these are all transitory sort of uh, phases. And so, kind of knowing that, oh, I'm in a really discontented phase now. It's okay. I'll at some point um, find a level. You know, I, I'm sort of moving in and out of these sensations. So it's not a question of you being able to eradicate it entirely, but to recognize it for what it is and to not let it drive what you're doing. Um, so these are quite slow processes, and I think people develop uh, more ability in that kind of field as they age so I think uh, very often it's the kind of maturing process and also perhaps um, there is a level of detachment so if you're less um, engaged in the outside world it may be a little easier to uh, to, to feel comf comfortable with that sort of contentment and it's more taxing if you're working in a, uh, a very busy modern environment it's one of our you know, it's one of the most difficult things for, for modern people to uh, approach. And so important. So, mm. so important. Another thing that you mentioned is the book, in the book is um, uh, experiences of pain and discomfort uh, when we're practicing uh, asanas. Um, do you have any advice about that? Well, normally for beginners, I just say it shouldn't hurt. <laughs> if it's hurting, stop. You're doing too much, go back a bit, kind of back off. Actually, in the long run, um, pain may indicate for you um, the condition of the physical body uh, in relation to your uh, kind of mental health and how you feel about yourself. And there may be certain things that you can really uh, start to work on just very gently, kind of smoothing the edges of things that feel uh, physically uncomfortable to try to feel into what what's going on there but that may be a way down the line and I think really the safest and sensiblest thing for beginners to do is just don't do stuff that hurts so if you're in pain you need to go back to ideally a teacher but if not you know you're trying to self-refer your uh, pain understand a little bit about the way your body works and nowadays there's masses and masses of resources available to people and all sorts of ways to get a little more information. So if your knees hurt when you're doing your um, lotus position, you know, try not doing your lotus position like that. <laughs> See if there's a better way, you know. So you're looking for personal adaptation, you know, finding stuff that works on your body. And we're all built a little differently. Um, and that, that kind of feeling that you have to emulate exactly the position that's shown to you in a photograph or a video or by a teacher is, uh, you know, that's, that, it's not the case. You're going to be doing it in your own special way. So we've been uh, talking a lot about uh, beginning um, a practice. Um, we just have another minute or so here, but what words of inspiration would you offer to those longtime practitioners of yoga who are eager to continue their own journey of awakening? Well, I think um, I think if you want to continue and you've started with that personal practice and you've started in that way of working on your own, this is the most important and most fulfilling um, process, the yoga process that you can undergo. You will need at some point a guide, so you will need to check into a teacher, but that may be someone who you see relatively infrequently and it may be somebody who just, uh, is a sort of monitoring or soundboard for you just to feel where you're going along your way. It will um, take you somewhere and probably not where you thought it would. <laughs> so very commonly, you know, you imagine that this uh, practice is going to give you X or Y or make you feel like this and it makes you feel something completely different. So it's being alive to your own development and really um, mm. enjoying that change and uh, living it minute by oh. minute that process is where you're at oh that's lovely i think that's a beautiful way to end so you've been listening to the yoga hour it has been my pleasure to share this time with you 
I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for regular host Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We've been discussing yoga for total well-being with special guest Tara Fraser. Uh, we've um, mentioned her book several times, Total Yoga, A Step-by-Step Guide to Yoga at Home for Everybody. You can find out more about Tara and her work at yogajunction.co.uk. Thank you, Tara, for joining us. Thank you. Um, Join us next week as we continue our series on complete well-being. The topic will be Refresh Your Mind with Prachahara, and Yogacharya O'Brien will be back with guests Vedacharya David Frawley and Yogini Shambhavi. For information about CSE, visit csecenter.org. I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is on the road. Until then, remember you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. www.csecenter.org Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Your friends at Unity invite you to reflect on these words from Reverend Jim Rosemurgy. Pause and take a deep breath. When you are ready, affirm silently to yourself, Sweet, sweet spirit, I desire a closer walk with you. Show me the way. I am listening. Take time now, in the silence, to get in touch with the spiritual guidance within you. Have faith that your next step, your unfolding, your spiritual growth, is coming to you in divine order through your spiritual instinct or your spiritual knowingness. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, 
practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. 